You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello, dynamite, dexterous denizens, and dingoes of the digital dome. <laughs> Welcome to Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. This is episode 37, and of course, I'm your humble host, Karen, and we are your formation of four foraging for formulas and for forks. <laughs> that was pretty good. I'm Colin. I'm Dana. I'm Chris. All right, without further ado, let's jump into our general trivia segment, Pop Quiz Hotshot. And I have a random trivia pursuit card here. You guys have your barnyard buzzers. Get them ready. And here we go. Blue wedge for geography. What island nation has declared itself a nuclear-free zone by law? Oh. New Zealand. It is New Zealand. (laughs) All right, Pink Wedge. What what TV sitcom launched Will Smith's acting career? (laughs) That would be Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Correct. Mm -hmm. Can you sing the song? In West... I'm not going to sing. West Philadelphia, born and raised. (laughs) Yellow Wedge, what event is usually identified as the start of the gay liberation movement? Uh, That would be the Stonewall Riot? Correct, Stonewall Riot. Purple Wedge, what kind of sandwich is slang for a punch? Uh, A knuckle sandwich. Yes, what a weird (laughs) question. (laughs) Why is this in Trivia Pursuit? you got to know your English idioms. Yeah. Knuckle sandwich. Or your 1920s gangster slang. (laughs) Green wedge. What does a Scoville unit measure the heat of? Oh. Everybody. Everybody. (laughs) Hot sauce. Peppers. 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 Mm -hmm. I would have given it to myself. (laughs) Good job, Chris. (laughs) Thanks. All right. Last question. Orange wedge. In auto racing, what type of flag is waved when drivers cross the finish line? Chris. The checkered flag. Yes. That, that, is that a... was too easy. Almost. Yeah, that was a weird card. So last week we had Pub Trivia and Colin couldn't make it, and he's our resident sports guy. And we know that the World Series just recently <laughs> uh, happened. And so he sent us via text message, just in case, in the picture round, which is in Pub Trivia, they give you a, a sheet with uh, people's pictures and you have to identify them. He wrote us a cheat sheet so that we could study. He says... In case there are SF Giants World Series heroes in photo round, fat guy equals Pablo Sandoval, pitcher with dark hair equals Barry Zito, goofy white guy with beard is Hunter Pence. That was very nice. It showed how committed to trivia we are and how dedicated we are. Even if somebody's on their on a date with their wife, they send us a text. <laughs> Who are you texting? Oh, nobody, nobody. <laughs> All right, and let's jump into our topic of the week, which is fun with the English language. Great. 
Great. So if we're having fun with the English language, we should, of course, talk about Latin. Yes. Um, because there are many, many Latin words, Latin words that are used in English uh, and expressions. And to a fault, people tend to use all of them the wrong way. So I wanted to throw some oh, no. Latin expressions and abbreviations and things like that out at you guys to see if anybody is going to uh, get them right. You probably will, but we'll go over them and how to remember them. All right. Okay. okay. So we'll start with... The, the big ones that are confused are EG right. and IE. Yeah. Right, right, oh. right. Does, does somebody want to take a crack at, at which is which? Yeah. EG is for example. EG is for example, and IE is that is. Exactly. That is to, like, to say. clarify. So, right. so EG is yeah. an abbreviation of the Latin phrase exempli gratia, which means for the sake of example. Uh-huh. And so that is what you use in place of for example. So if you're, if you're giving something, if you're giving a, a number of different possible examples of something, I like comic books, EG, Superman. But but if you were to say DC's most famous comic book hero is the, the Caped Crusader, i.e. Superman. That is yeah. to say. That is to say Superman. That's and I.e. stands for id it est. stands for id est, exactly. Yep. So I.e. is that is. E.g. is for example. I'm Wait. so confused. So E.g. can be several things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That fit into a set, and mm-hmm. IE is exactly that one thing. Oh, well, it could be, no, 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 it, it just means that is. So if you were to say, for example, the planets, mm-hmm. IE, and then list all the planets, that would be okay, right? It's just, it means it's more it, about it, clarifying that is, or, a point like, that you've made. In other yeah. words, right. Like, oh, I wonder what's a good way to remember that. Example, oh, I guess, EG, example. Example. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There right. You go. Which, not only is it a good mnemonic, it's actually the Latin word. It's the best mnemonic. <laughs> so, who wants to venture a guess? Now you can buzz in. I'll let you guys buzz in on this one. What, when you see the Latin word sit in, in a, a, a block of text or in parentheses after something uh, that is quoted, what yeah. does sick mean? Colin? It means like as written or as said. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people mistakenly think that sick means this is wrong mm-hmm. or, you know, when you're quoting something and like they spell a name wrong and you transcribe it exactly and you put in sick in parentheses. I thought it was spelling incorrect. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's uh, how I so remember. a lot of people actually think that it is a an acronym of spelling incorrect or said in copy mm-hmm. or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. But no, it's actually a Latin word and all it means is Thus, mm-hmm. the word thus, huh. and the full Latin phrase is sic eric scriptum. Thus yeah. was it written. Does not mean that someone made an error. It just means this is as it was written. So if you're transcribing something and somebody spells uh, something a certain way on purpose for a reason, jargony um, or like a regional mm-hmm. dialect, yes, or and something. you want to be clear that you didn't make this typo, you would drop that in there. So sic is used after things that you're quoting accurately, e.g. Uh, an error, <laughs> but yeah. but not only errors. Correct, right. So you all know what etc. means, etc. Period, which mm-hmm. is an abbreviation of, of course, etc. Meaning and others. Did you know that you can actually use an ampersand and the letter c? No, yeah, you see, kind of old timey. You, seems you to do because the meaning of the ampersand has been lost over time. The ampersand is just a ligature of the letters e and t. Oh, if you look in some typefaces, it actually looks like a like capital cursive. letter e and a t mashed together. Oh, yeah. That's 
that's all the ampersand is. And so that's why you can, that's why people will use an ampersand and then C and period cetera. to mean et cetera. And you can also use for people, you can use et al, which is actually an abbreviation of et ali and, and, mm-hmm. and others, but for people. That I did yeah. not know. And you do have to use a period after. One of the reasons why the shortened version is used is because it's different if it's a group of men, a group of women, a group of both men and women, uh, a group of gender neutral items. Gendered. But et al is a good abbreviation for all of those things. Only for people. It's used in the case of people. You don't okay. say etc. for for people. Um, and then, of course, there's the the wonderful Latin phrase that everyone loves to use and means uh, <laughs> anything anyone wants it to mean, apparently, uh, which is per se. Yeah. What does per se actually mean? You know, for the longest time, I thought it was like P-E-R-S-A. A Y like sure. per se like one would say that's uh-huh. there are people I saw an online discussion people saying you know it might have used to have been a Latin phrase but it's not anymore now it's just P E R S A Y one word and it means you know not necessarily no that means <laughs> that, no I don't even know word. Uh, so it's like that's <laughs> that's great yes yeah, the, the um, meaning as I understand it was always taught was that it means in the strictest sense or in the literal sense. It, that's actually not what it means. It means by itself. Hmm. People hmm. misuse it to mean in the literal sense. Like, well, that's not a dog per se. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a stuffed dog. So that's not really correct. <laughs> so I, so it, it's by itself, which means I am not bored by science per se, but this teacher is really boring would, mm-hmm. be, would mm-hmm. be one example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're so, right, um, you're right, people you're might right. be getting it right yeah. on accident. So that's the only meaning of per se. And how do you spell it? P-E-R space S-E. Two words. Two words. Not S-A-Y. No. Not S-A-Y. I thought it was like parlay. It's like per se. Oh, yeah. What about uh, one of my favorites, which is uh, QED? Mm-hmm. Quota well, era demonstrata. Wow, not bad. It's a math word. I, I, I've heard it more just used in general purpose. But really? Yeah. So Q, QED meaning so it is shown. So it has right. been demonstrated. Right, so it has been demonstrated. Right. This yeah. was like, drilled into me in, in math right. theory. Yeah, yeah, I can yeah. see that. So, yep. When you write a proof, you know, you have your thesis and then you have your all your work shown. And at the very bottom, you put QED. Like, I've done all the work, and I've shown that... This has already been shown by the the evidence that I have put forth. Right. Quad erat demonstrandum. Right. right. So I actually want to piggyback on uh, the per se. That kind of reminded me of something, and I looked up. And it's so funny, because it's such a weird word. There's something called an egg corn. Not an acorn, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. an egg corn. So the egg corn is a linguistic term. It represents a substitution of a word or a phrase mm-hmm. for words that sound similar or identical in oh, certain dialects. Okay, all right. The new phrase, although incorrect, introduces a meaning that is different from the original but kind of still makes sense in the same context. E.g. Um, E.g., you know, a lot of people call Alzheimer's disease old timers disease <laughs> which sound very familiar and maybe in some dialects and passing it down alzheimer's eventually becomes old timers mm-hmm. these egg corn phrases <laughs> most of the time they replace an obscure or kind of unfamiliar term with a more common and modern word so in a way acorns exhibit some kind of inventive it's like know, a like a folk uh, well, etymology or folk you hear it and you haven't heard the word before so you make up something that that it sounds like and then you rewrite the definition of it to match the word that you yeah. use. It's actually a really new term. It, it kind of came into existence back in 2003, so not that long ago, mm-hmm. by a linguistics professor. And he read there was a case of a woman who substitute the word 
acorn for the word acorn. Mm-hmm. Like to her, mm-hmm. it was, oh, it's like, it looks like an egg and it kind of is like a corn kernel and right. started calling it egg corn mm-hmm. instead of acorn. This linguistics professor decided that there wasn't really a name for this phenomenon, hence just eventually use egg corn <laughs> to, to call egg corns. So a couple examples here, you know, some of these blew my mind because I, I totally have been using the egg corn version. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, and then to be Which, clear, like uh, they, yeah. they have to reach a certain level of saturation to qualify. I mean, because exactly. ch- children do this every day. Make yeah. it up all the right, time. Right. Yep, yeah. Yep, yep. So, expatriate. Ex-patriate. Yes. Ah, I always thought it was, was yeah, I'm no longer a patriate of USA because I moved somewhere else instead of expatriate, one word, E-X-P-A-T-R-I-A-T-E. Right. Another example is instead of maiden name, mating name. Whoa. <laughs> Which makes sense. They make just enough sense, I would say. I wouldn't right, say they right, make right. total sense. I would it, say they make what, just enough it's sense. It's within the logical realm. Yeah, yeah, you know what yeah. I hear all the time is instead of it's a dog-eat-dog world is it's a doggy-dog world. Yeah, I've heard oh, that. Yeah. a doggy-dog? A, a wonderful world where everything is a little puppy. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that too. Yeah. And another one is praying mantis, P-R-E-Y, instead of praying, P-R-A-Y, right. which they pray, and they also look like yeah. they're praying. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, acorns. <laughs> so, kind of related are the mondegreens. When you mishear lyrics or poems, and you make it make more sense. Like, I think in, um, in that book that you read when you're a little kid, in the year of the boar and Jackie Robinson, she mishears the line from the national anthem as, and witch's hands, instead of in, in which it stands. Mm. <laughs> in yes, which yes. Yes. <laughs> I remember that. Growing up, I thought the clashes rock the Casbah. I didn't. I didn't know what a Casbah was. I thought it was cat box. <laughs> rock the cat box. And I was like, oh, it's like a little carrier for a cat. And yeah. Like rocking. I made a quiz for you guys where oh. I'll play a clip from a song, and then you guys need to write down what you think the rest of the oh. lyric is. So these are frequently misunderstood lyrics, then. These are all famous songs that you would have heard, mm-hmm. but we I, don't necessarily it know might what be fuzzy what, the, what right, the next line right. is. So that was a clip from Billie Jean by Michael Jackson, and it's part of the chorus, but what does he say? I don't even remember. All right, Colin, what do you have? Is it the wanna dance on the floor and around? Let me throw this out there. Is it who would dance on the floor in the round? I think you're... (laughs) (laughs) I think think I'm closer. Uh, Do the dance. Do the floor. Dance for one. (laughs) (laughs) That is not what he said. Who will dance on the floor in the round? Oh, who will dance on the floor in the round? Oh. Who dance in, on the the floor round. in the round. I don't know what that means. Like theater in the like round? I, I, but I think that's kind of what it is. That's, yeah. I've never heard that expression aside from that. Yeah. I thought it, before I looked it up, I thought it was maybe all around or something. Who would dance on the floor in the round? Okay, the next one is Tiny Dancer by Elton John. <laughs> <laughs> I put pass. Oh. <laughs> okay. Lay me down in sheets of something is all I can come up with. <laughs> Close. 
Lay me down in sheets of oh, linen. 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 Yeah. All right. I knew it was, yeah. Yeah. You knew it was a fabric. I knew it was like, ah, My lawn ran on. Yeah. He says it kind of funny. Yeah. Oh, he does. Well, that's the whole point of it. Yeah, exactly. All right. Next one is Bad Romance by Lady Gaga. Oh, Karen can get this one. All right. Oh. What do you got? I got something, something, something. As <laughs> long as you please. It's, uh, I want your everything as long as it's free. Mm. Yes. I, all I got was I want your everything. I want your everything as long as it's free. I want your everything as long as it's free. Mm. Oh, as, as long as you please. It did rhyme. <laughs> the next one is Vogue by Madonna. Oh. <laughs> Colin? Is it Let Your Body Go With The Flow? Yes. I also had this. Oh! Yes. What, what did, did you, you have? Make Your Body Feel and Flow. Whoa. Got flow. <laughs> we found Karen's weak point. I know! <laughs> this one is tricky, but it did come up in trivia for us once, oh. and so I feel like this one is fair game. <laughs> All right. This is Elvis, Jailhouse Rock. I'm getting this confused. Oh, man. With... <laughs> what do you got? I I just feel so confident I'm wrong, but it's okay. Come and do the jailhouse rock right here. No, <laughs> I put I love deep fried peanut butter banana sandwich. <laughs> you know I... what? It's not <laughs> not far off. No, I think I got it. It's something 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 edible underwear. <laughs> oh, it, it does rhyme. You got that part. It's if you can't find a partner, use a wooden chair. Oh, we what? did have that. Yeah. I just came rushing back. What does that mean? Because because they're all men in the prison, right? To yeah. dance yeah. with, isn't right. that? Right. Oh. He was all alone, and he said, <laughs> "Don't be a square. If you can't find a partner, use a wooden chair." Jails in the 50s were very different, Karen. <laughs> the fact that you can dance and sing and hang out in jail. <laughs> good job, you guys. <laughs> more or less, more or less. That was good. Mondo Greens. One of the weirdest things that I found when I was researching this and misheard phrases and stuff like that was, this is, apparently this is true. There are people out there who think that the great conflict that the world fought in, the, the two of them from the beginning of the last century, are called... War, War One and War War Two. <laughs> no. Like, not just a war. No. But no. Because when you hear it, World War One, if, if somebody elides that D, right. it's going to sound like War War Two. World War, World War, War, War One. World War, yeah. World War One. Right? It probably isn't helped by the fact that it's abbreviated WW1 right. or yeah. WW. Yeah. Right. And it's like, it's yeah. not just a war, it's like a war war. You know? Like a, <laughs> do you like me or do you like yeah. like me? Yeah. <laughs> a war is so nice they named it twice. <laughs> <laughs> too soon, Dana. Too, too, soon. too soon. And we're going to take a quick break for a message from our sponsor. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh. 
the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Hey, Matt. Did you know that wombats poop cubes? Nope. Never heard that before. Did you know the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland, Ken? I didn't know, nor do I care. Neil, did you know that Liechtenstein is the only doubly landlocked country in Europe? Jeff, isn't that an American pop artist? Well, actually, it's both. If you want to learn things like that and more, join us each week on Triviality, a pub trivia-style game show podcast where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Listen in each week to answer general knowledge trivia alongside exciting guests from around the world. And we're here, too. Join us every Tuesday for new hour-long episodes of Triviality, plus tons of extra themed content on everything from The Office and Lord of the Rings to science and geography. And sometimes we even do sports. Find us on all your preferred podcast apps and take part in the fun of playing bar trivia without the need to wear pants. Real mature, Jeff. Forget it, Neil. It's Triviality. And we're back. Welcome to Good Job Brain. We're talking about fun with language today. So do any of you guys know what onomastics is? Onomastics is the study of names and name origins. Mm-hmm. And so like the ono, like metonym, autonym, like that's the same root. Okay. So this- oh, remember how in the past show, you know how centaur is a man and a horse? Uh-huh. And then a donkey and a man is a ono centaur so it's, because it's a, a, a name play. Right. Oh, oh no! So onomastics is the study of where name origins comes from. So nope. like specific like our, like <laughs> specific etymologies to names, and this is something that's fascinated me ever since I was a kid. Is occupational names really in English in particular? We are just inundated with so many occupational names that they become so common we don't even think about it a lot. So for example, Smith is the most common. English surname mm-hmm. and Smith it was an iron worker a smithy mm-hmm. a blacksmith or an ironsmith you know other names like shepherd again come directly uh, from an occupation mm-hmm. mason you know stonemason you, know, you work with stones mm-hmm. and they're they're so common that we don't even think about them a lot and what I was really interested in is how do these come to be and how do they come down into becoming names like obviously someone with the name mason may not be a mason anymore it really goes back to England up until like the 14th century really it wasn't all that common necessarily to have a surname. Towns were small enough. You were oh. Paul You were Paul the wine merchant or mm. you were Susan the, the weaver. You were just defined sort of by your first name and what you did. There were a few things that happened in England. In the late 1300s, the government started a poll tax. One of the things 
problems that that led to is, well, we need accountability, so we need to have people's last names when we're collecting taxes. And then there was another act that was passed a few years later that required any legal document had to have your first name and a surname. And so like these two things like really kind of prompted the adoption of what had previously just been occupational names. So if I was John and I worked with Stones, I would make my name John Mason, for example. The European languages, English and French and German and Italian in particular, have a really high concentration of these occupational names. And you can even see some, you know, some similarities. So like we have Smith in English and there's Schmidt in German. And those are the same thing. A Schmidt is a German Smith or a Smithy. And it's an exceedingly common name in German as well for the same reason that it is in English, that there were a lot of Smiths. As I dug into this a little bit more, it's even further than that. So in Italian, Ferraro is the same root as Ironsmith that we have. And in Spanish, Herrero, same root. Right. So in Herrero, Spanish is Smith. And in Hungarian, you know, Kovacs is a very common last name. Also, these are the Smiths of other languages. So that just really fascinated me. There are some that aren't quite as common anymore, like Miller or Archer, you know, Bowman. So I wanted to go over some of the historical ones where the meaning has maybe dropped away. And then we'll have a little bit of quiz here at the end for you guys. One of the interesting things with occupational names is that they can become gendered as well along the way. So there are related pairs of names. You could probably guess what somebody with the last name Weaver did. Webster, it was the feminized version of Weaver. Get out. No! So Weaver and Webster are historically related in terms of male Weaver, female Weaver. And this S-T-E-R suffix shows up in other names too. So Brewer someone who brews, and Brewster are related as well. Like punky. Gendered, right? Male and female. Brewer and Brewster. That's right. Two 80s sitcoms. You have Webster <laughs> and then you have Brewster. So let me throw another pair. Baker and you guys... Baxter? Have Baxter. Baker and Baxter. Oh. That's right. Some of the names over time, they are occupational names, but they've just totally dropped away. Like, we don't even know what the occupation is anymore. So Burgess was originally a borough official who would represent the borough at governmental meetings. We have no idea of that meaning anymore, but the name, you know, still remains. Hackman, like Gene Hackman, the actor. A hackman was somebody who worked the hackle in a fabric-making machine, mm. and that term has just dropped away entirely. I think it's like, I think of a like a lumberjack. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And wow. I mean, it's just, there are so, so many of these. I couldn't hope to cover them all. That's and so old-timey. When you say them, they seem so obvious. Names like... Draper, mm-hmm. one who worked Don in Draper. Drape. Don Draper. Oh. Shearer was one who sheared sheep. Yeah. Oh. Glover, someone who made gloves and leather work. Mm-hmm. Slater, someone who worked with slate and mm-hmm. roofing. Mm-hmm. Parker, someone who was in charge of parklands or grasslands. It just goes on and on and on. And, you know, a lot of them, when you think about them now, the connection is obvious. So I want to give you guys a little bit of a quiz where some of these are just awesome trivia questions, and they may not be directly related anymore. So this will sort of test your knowledge of some of these occupational names. So I'm going to give you guys the surname, and you guys will buzz in and tell me what occupation this is historically descended from. Okay. All right. Some are trickier than others. Sawyer. Karen. Is that like a lumberjack sawing? Yes. A sawyer was somebody who would saw wood for hire. That's right. That's right. Cooper. (laughs) I Uh, believe that was Chris. I think think that's a clockmaker. No. Incorrect. Dana? Cooper. Cooper. 
is now as I say, cooked. these are not necessarily uh, oh, etymologically that you're going to be able to figure out. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> a cooper is a barrel maker. A barrel oh, maker. Like yeah, no, yeah. Barrels or buckets, anything that has like the wooden slats and the metal rings holding it together. It. That mm-hmm. was a whole field. I uh, discovered when I was researching this, so I said, you know, there are other languages have versions of this. In German, the name Fassbinder is mm-hmm. directly related to the oh! occupation of Cooper. So, like the actor Michael Fassbinder, mm. which literally means cask binder, was the same occupation mm. in German. A Fassbinder would be My a Cooper. <laughs> it's amazing to me and doing this. And of course, this. Germany would have so many Fassbenders. <laughs> That's right. There's barrels everywhere yeah. for the beer. That's right. Fletcher. Dana. An arrow maker? That's right. A Fletcher oh, was somebody yes. who makes arrows, and, wow. and specifically the, the feathers, uh, putting the feathers on, which are still to this day called the fletching on arrows or darts. That's the fletching. Jessica Fletcher, yeah. Jessica Fletcher. <laughs> Chandler. Bing. Chris. Candle maker. Yeah. Yes. The Chandler was the person in a large manor house responsible for making the candles and the wax, and, mm-hmm. and the word chandelier comes from the same root, because originally they would have held candles. Karen's what? head is falling off right now. <laughs> Wainwright. Oh. And this is a, and this is a hybrid one. I'll give you a little bit of a clue that right, the word right means mm-hmm. maker of. Mm-hmm. So Wainwright. Wagon I, I maker? It is, oh, yes. Yeah. A wagon maker, that's right. It's also related to Cartwright. So Cartwright, Wainwright oh, would both have very similar wow. jobs. Mercer. My mind I'm like mercenary. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. Is it's it a, related. It's a merchant? Yeah, it, essentially. Yeah, it was just somebody, a merchant, but j- more specifically a textile or a fine silks merchant, oh, that okay. kind of thing. Yeah, but then ultimately just a merchant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, here are a couple literary ones for you guys. The author of Dracula was Bram Stoker. You guys know what a stoker was. Chris again. Putting the coal in the fire. That's right. Somebody who would stoke mm-hmm. the uh, engine on a mill or a ship. Mm-hmm. Faulkner, as in William Faulkner. <laughs> Dana. Is it related to Falcon? Yeah, it yeah. is. I felt so dumb when I... It's Falconer. It's almost just a, a direct shortening from Falconer to wow, Falconer. Wow, wow. So good job on the quiz, guys. We'll close out here with one final one. One of us at this table has an occupational surname. <laughs> Do Cola. you guys want to venture a guess? And you may know what a Kohler is. Is a bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> no. The Col- toilet cleaner? Col- so I know coal is some sort of like a charcoal material. Yep, you're on the right um, track. You know, it, it's using it like eyeliner up. and, and makeup like artist. Uh-huh. <laughs> makeup artist. Don't um, over, don't overthink it. Someone who works with coal. Yeah, someone who deals coal. That's right. Coal. Oh, dealing, dealing well, coal. Literally, literally mining coal. coal. Coal burner is what I've read. Coal that burner. coaler comes from the occupation of coal burner, but they would have also been a dealer. Oh. Yeah. I thought Felton, and you just put felt on things. <laughs> <laughs> felt on. Felt on her. So those are just, as I say, scratching the surface of some of the ones that really tickle me. Mm. You could just dive in and spend hours researching these. No, but the fact that one out of four of us has one of these occupational Well, I read read a stat, and the stat is, as I say, it's about 20 years out of date. But as of 20 years ago, the stat I read said that 180 of the most common surnames in America were of English origin. So yeah, I mean, you can Uh, see why there's so many of them. Good job, guys. That's great. So uh, something that I've noticed over the last couple of episodes of Good Job Brain, uh, and had been meaning to mention uh, on the show is that there's a, certain, uh, a lot of listeners too. Uh, have listeners written in and yes, said this? Yes, they, they have said this. There's a certain phrase that Colin says all the time Uh-oh. wrong, and you use it wrong. Uh-oh. Um, surprise! Surprise! So the phrase is high concept, and you always say that things are high concept, and you use it to actually mean esoteric 
or like um, hard to wrap your head around, uh-huh. uh, complicated. Okay, it is. It actually means the exact opposite of that. A high concept movie is something that can be easily explained. Hmm. So like snakes on a plane is uh-huh. the ultimate high concept movie because the the idea is the concept, the two second description of like this is what happens uh-huh. is the most important thing. Or, or describes everything that's going on. Interesting. Yep. I'm going to have to do my own research and come back. I wasn't prepared and, to be challenged. Uh, yes. Uh. So go ahead and, and check out what high concept means, and you'll find that lists of high concept movies include, like, Snakes on a Plane, Jaws, th- things of that nature. Well, I, where... I just want to say, I'm not wrong. It's actually an egg corn. So that's <laughs> that's how I use high concept. So I actually, uh, so then I put together another list of things that people uh, use in, the, or in the, the wrong ways. So some of these might even dovetail with things that Karen were talking about. They may in fact be eggcorns one of the things is baited breath right mm. so a lot of people write it out like bait as like, in like there's bait in like your you're mouth. laying so, a trap no it, it actually it's from the word abate which right. means to reduce which means to hold your breath yeah so you're when like, i <gasps> say i'm waiting with baited breath it means i'm holding my breath in anticipation waiting to see but what's there is happen. a sense of anticipation with like a bait with a fishing line bait because you're anticipating oh sure yeah yeah, yeah you're anticipating right yeah well so, I, mean, I mean it's it is it's, a, it's an egg corn in the sense of you 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 come up with a story to make it make sense right. but historically yeah, it is b-a-t-e-d from abate, yeah. right the phrase a lot of people use the phrase just desserts and they spell it like the tasty thing you eat at the end of a meal it's um, not that it's not no there's a word mm-hmm. called that that is in fact pronounced dessert uh but it's only spelled with one s and it, it's a it's a it's a word all on its own it comes from the same root as the word deserve and it's just a noun that means something you deserve no. um not dessert as in the, Sweet the cake you eat after a meal it's like yeah. the plural <laughs> and, of things that you deserve and uh. newspapers would often get letters to the editor when they were they used just desserts correctly in a headline and they'd get letters of people telling them they missed an s in the word desserts yeah so it's pronounced yeah. just desserts but it's spelled like just deserts. Interesting. Yep. Oh, wow. Uh, a lot of people use the word nonplussed incorrectly. It does mm-hmm. not mean unimpressed. It means puzzled. Right. So a lot of people are just like, oh, well, you know, I saw it. I was nonplussed. Not that they would actually say that, but when people do use the when word nonplussed. And writing people use it yes, a lot. Yeah. yeah. But it actually means puzzled and like really having a hard time with something. So Rather than indifferent. Rather than being indifferent. It doesn't add up. Yep. All right. Well, you're talking about phrases that meaning has sort of changed or come to be misunderstood over time. I want to give you guys a list of words that are other halves of pairs that you may not know existed. So Hmm. did you know that you can describe something as being wieldy? which is the opposite of unwieldy. Mm-hmm. So it can be wieldy. It is easily managed. And these are words that existed before their more commonly known partners. Something can be advertent, meaning uh, I'm paying attention to it. Inadvertent. It is yeah. done with attention. Something can be maculate. And maculate literally means covered with spots. And mm-hmm. then immaculate is in opposition to maculate. Oh. If you are a person that has a lot of compassion and you're kind and tender, you can be described as ruthful which is the opposite of ruthless. (laughs) If you have a liking or an inclination towards something, you have gust for it. Oh, disgust. Yes. Gusto. It's like Spanish. If something is legal and permissible and allowed, it is licit. If I want to take a flag or a sail and wrap it or roll it up really tight, I am... Furling. furling it. But I just like maculate. And I'm going to start using that. In so my, maculate actually means 
gross. It means spotted or marked up. And huh. immaculate meaning just clean, visually clean, not marked up. Yeah. And then sort of extends from there. So I'm going to give you guys five quick examples here of words uh, that are special for some reason. I want to see if you guys can tell me why they're special in the English language. We'll start with one that I think we've had before. Facetiously. Oh. Karen. Is it all the vowels are in order? It is. It's one of the few oh, words yeah. that has all the five vowels in order. Abstemiously would be another one, yes. Tell me what's special about the word strengths, Karen. Um, it has, I think, up to like f- a bunch of consonants in order. Uh, not in order, but together with no vowels. That's, that's sort of part of what it is. It's, it's, it's generally considered the longest single-syllable word. Oh, yes. Oh. That's a good one, strengths. Here's a pair. Tell me what's special about kudos and shambles. Karen again. They only exist in plural form. That's right. Tell me what's special about this pair. Apron and adder, like the snake, like a black adder. Apron. What if I said, hand me an apron? Uh, Chris. They were originally napron and natter? That's right. That's wow. right. They were they were words, and the N shifted from uh, mm-hmm. uh, a napron to an, an apron. Oh, that makes more sense for... A uh, natter and apron. Yeah. Like napkin. Napkin. Yeah. Oh, wow. All right. Last one. Uh, what's special about the word cleave? Think about its various meanings. Cleavage. <laughs> Cleave. Cleaves. Cleaving. The... Something about the plural with the V and the... Oh, uh, no, it's not orthographic. It was... Uh, what I was getting at is it's one of the few words that can be its own opposite. So cleave can mean to bring together or to, to cling oh. strongly to, and cleave can also mean to split apart. Oh. All right. Well, good Sick. job, guys. Those are just cool. my little grab bag of some of my hmm. favorite nuggets. One last grab bag. Really, really short. So, of course, we know there are tongue twisters in English, right? She sells seashells by the seashore. Right. Mm-hmm. So there is an equivalent of this in sign language. In American ah. sign language, there are things called finger fumblers, ah. which are their equivalent of tongue twisters. Of course. That makes so much sense. Yeah. Isn't that cool? According to a lot of experts, the phrase good blood, bad blood is a finger fumbler. It's hmm. really hard to sign it out. Hmm. So, yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah, finger fumblers and tongue twisters. Hmm. Of course, that makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. Everybody, shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. All right, and it's time for our final quiz segment. And this one's a little bit different. It's my quiz. And because of our language episode, I thought I would bring back a segment we did before where I would read out the literal translation of movie titles from Mm. foreign languages. You'd have to guess what the American movie is. 
The problem is, uh, second time around, I was researching and, of course, double-checking. if it, And a lot of them exist kind of on a level of urban legends. It's not mm. as preposterous. So I decided, and I instead of focusing on bad translations, I would focus on really, really good translations. We talked about in our advertising show, Coca-Cola, right, Chris? Where Coca-Cola, mm. the rumor was in Mandarin... In Chinese, it would translate to... Bite the wax tadpole. Yes, bite the wax tadpole. Which is not true, but being a, a Mandarin speaker, I can see how, because Mandarin is a phonetic language, that it can be misconstrued mm. to be that. So, not to make this Chinese culture hour, I really researched a lot to find examples of English names translated phonetically into Mandarin, but the meaning, the literal translation also works too. Okay. So what I'm going to do, and this is I, I, this is a little bit complicated, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the genre or the category of this product, and I'm going to tell you the literal translation, and I'm going to say it in the phonetic translation and see if you can guess what this item I'm asking all right, about. All right. Okay. All right. So here we go. This is a topical. This is a beverage, and it means... Every mouth can have happiness. <laughs> In Mandarin, it is pronounced Coca-Cola. <laughs> Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. Huh, Every okay. mouth can have happiness. Huh. Very good. That's it's really good. Such yeah. a good one. Oh, man. This is the one from my movie research that, that led me to having this quiz. So it's a movie. Mm -hmm. And the literal translation is Night Without Control. The Mandarin name is Bu Ji Ye. <laughs> Boogie Nights? Yes, it is Boogie <laughs> no! Nights. Yes, is, is night in, in Mandarin. Oh, so man. I read somewhere online where this was translated in Mandarin. It is a man with a special device. And I was like, <laughs> I, was like I don't think so. I need to double check. And it's called Boogie, like Boogie. But uh, Boogie also means without control. So mm. it kind of fits there. All right. Nice. This is a band. And it literally means Moppy Head 4. <laughs> I'm going to guess the Beatles. Yes. Yeah. What? How is it pronounced? Pitosu. Oh. oh. So good. Wow. That's so great. Yeah. This is a food item. And literally, it means manly bun with something lucky. And the Mandarin <laughs> pronunciation <laughs> is ji shi han bao. Cheese hamburger? Cheeseburger. Cheese yes. Oh. Last one. This is a food item. And it literally means more power, more flavor. <laughs> and the Mandarin name is Duo Li Duo Zi. Doritos. Yes. Oh. It means what? More power. More power, more flavor. Perfect. Wow. Yeah. That could that could be their slogan, like for American Doritos. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's rare. It's very rare where something you phonetically translate actually have some sort of meaning. But that if you work, if you work at it, yeah, you yeah, can, you can try to figure something Thanks out. Thanks to good localization teams for for these products yeah. and brands. That would oh. be a fun job coming up with those localizations. Mm -hmm. So there you go. I like hearing you speak another language. <laughs> <laughs> so that's our show. Uh, thank you guys for joining me, and thank you guys, the listeners, for listening. Hope you learn a lot about acorns and misheard <laughs> lyrics and Schmidt and Fassbender <laughs> and all that stuff and Hackman. Oh my goodness! You can find us on Zoom Marketplace, 
on iTunes, on Stitcher, and also on our website, which is goodjobbrain.com. Also join us on Facebook and Twitter, and check out our sponsor, Bonobos, at bonobos.com. And we'll see you guys next week. Thanks. Bye. Bye. jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.